This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Oh man, oh man, oh man. Welcome everybody to the five on three trade deadline special. It's a packed house in this studio today. Matt Costantini, Jack Caldwell, Chris Hennessy, Jackson Heil making his return. Yeah. Five on four. It's been a little it's, while. It's a regular power play today. It really is, <laughs> if it's four on three. But, um, yeah, I'm happy to be back. It's my first time here in a while, and good episode to return. Yeah, I don't want to waste any time because there is so much to get to, and I know good. that I know things are kind of going to go off the rails a little AKA bit. A.K.A. a lot of screaming from Chris. Yeah, Chris is not a happy man today nope. with, uh, with what happened with the Islanders. But I want to start off by, it's official, the Rangers Cup window is closed. It was closed last year. It was closed last <laughs> we, year. I already went through the morning period. We don't need to touch on this again. So it's official. Matt Zuccarello to the Dallas Stars. Kevin Hayes to the Winnipeg Jets. And then Adam McQuaid. Uh, where did he end up? Columbus. 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 Just one of the many, many moves that Columbus made this, this trade deadline window. So, guys, um, obviously... Chris Jackson, you're the resident Ranger fans here. No, I'm not. You said Chris, not Jack. Jack, I'm sorry. Things happen. I need to correct. <laughs> yeah, um, that that needs to happen. Rangers fans. So sorry. Jack and Jackson, resident Rangers fans, how are we feeling about the returns for these guys? Well, off the bat, I was pretty frustrated with the Zuccarello return. I thought they could have gotten more. That was my instant reaction, and I was more in favor of extending him because I felt like he was really the heart and soul of the team, and he has been for so long. But. Gustav Nyquist, who, to me, I mean, the Red Wings are sort of my second team. I watch a good amount of them because my dad's a fan. He, over the years, has been a very similar sort of player to Zuccarello, and he's actually having a much better season than Zook this year. Uh, and he's two years younger. And Disagree. his, if you look at the numbers, <laughs> Jackson, he has 50 points. Zuccarello is 37. Zuccarello's also missed like 20 games, though. Uh, in terms of their okay, we well, can, I mean, we can, no. We can talk to, about be, this. to be fair, Jack, Jack has a point. You got to be on the ice to be uh, to He's be productive. He's played every game. Yeah, Super exactly. He's got twenty two points in his last like sixteen games. Okay, All right, okay. we can get so we can get into this discussion more later. But what I'll say is, I think the Red Wings could have gotten more from Nyquist. But I think when you look at the market, they did not get nearly as much as what the Rangers have the potential to get with the conditional first rounders. So. Maybe they got a good haul. Uh, it was probably less than I was expecting. Uh, in retrospect, I still think I would have been okay with an extension. But we'll see what he gets this summer. If he ends up getting a huge deal, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with that. In terms of Zuccarello, I mean, listen, I'm going to be upset with trading him regardless. But especially knowing what the market was, I, I would have went for an extension. Listen, I don't know what the terms were or terms would have been for a potential extension for him. But... To me, I, I think knowing what the deal ended up being, which is a second and a third, with two conditions that both picks can end up being first, if Dallas makes the Western Conference Finals this year and if they re-sign Zuccarello, the second one will become a first if Zuc re-signs, and then the Western Conference Finals will make the one this year a first-round pick. I probably would have kept him and tried to extend him, but at, at the same time, I think looking at the market, you can't really call it a bad deal, so to speak, because, I mean, you look around the league, like Jack said, Nyquist, a player of similar caliber, gets a second and what he gets? It's a third conditional that can become a second and then a firm second rounder. Yes, so 
he basically got the same deal with one less condition, and then Marcus Johansson got even less than the both of them, probably because of injury concerns there. But listen, I I, I can't complain too much about the deal. There's they have a chance to resign him in the off season if they really want, and they got some capital back now. So overall kind of looking back on things it's not the worst deal in the world but I still would have made a better effort to extend him yeah I'm not I'm not as frustrated as I was off the bat but I I will say it does come down to this summer like I said before if he gets a monster I don't think he'll get a monster deal but if he gets a big deal I can say you know what maybe the Rangers that wasn't in their plans but if he signs like a a two-year deal eight million over two years maybe the Rangers could have swung that so that's what it's really going to come down to do y'all think that 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 condition is going to fulfill? Do you think they're going to resign him? I doubt it. I don't think Dallas has anywhere near the space to re- bring him back. We'll see. But I-, I think, honestly, the first condition is very realistic, just given how weak the West is this year. And, I mean, it's funny enough because the rain- if first-round matchup in the West could be Dallas and Winnipeg, which <laughs> would end up being a huge cheering Soon contingent on behalf yeah. of the Rangers for the Stars. So. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I thought the Rangers' deadline as a whole wasn't too bad. Uh, I thought the Kevin Hayes deal was pretty good. Yeah, and let's let's talk about that Kevin Hayes deal. Brendan Lemieux, pretty good prospect. First-round pick, 2020 conditional fourth. How are we feeling about that one? Um, I'm of the belief that I like the Kevin Hayes deal. I, again, another guy I would rather resign, and it it's on Jeff Gordon for putting himself in this situation, signing him a one-year deal last summer instead of giving him a five-year deal, which was apparently was on the table, but... I think all things considered at this point, getting getting a first for Hayes was important, especially after not getting one for Zuccarello. And listen, I mean, you're not going to get high-quality prospects for rentals. That's just the way the market but works. This kid, this kid Lemieux is interesting. He is uh, Claude Lemieux's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claude Lemieux, of course, a uh, firecracker on the 90s avalanche, and he takes after his father pretty well. I mean... You look at his numbers this year, nine goals in 44 games, but he didn't score in his first 10 games, and he had 27 penalty minutes in those first 10 games. The Jets apparently sat down with him. They they played started playing him a lot less. They had some off-ice issues with him, um, but he's rebounded since he's come back. So in the last 30 games or so, he's gotten nine goals. He only plays about seven minutes a night. So I think he could have some potential. He plays a good two-way game. He's physical, and this could be the sort of revitalization project that is perfect for the Rangers. It doesn't work with the Jets because they're a contending team. You don't want to deal with this headache. But with more ice time, with more of a nurturing developmental environment, this could be an interesting project. He's only 22. I'll take this from the other team side. We, we kind of uh, talked about the Rangers a little bit. In terms of Dallas, I absolutely love this trade for Dallas. I think Zuccarello is a really good player. They didn't give up too much. Uh, it, you know, it's obviously unfortunate that he got hurt. But yeah, that's a real shame. They they make the trade. He plays that day, scores a goal, and then immediately gets hurt out for four weeks. He had two points in like ten minutes of yeah, ice. It was yeah, like a period crazy. and a half. Yeah, it's crazy. And I I really like that deal for them. And in terms of Winnipeg, I think that might be the second or third best deal of the day behind Mark Stone for sure. And um, it's up there for sure. I think that improving that down the middle uh, is somewhere that they definitely needed to improve, and they have. I think that. Getting a guy like Kevin Hayes to score goals will take some of the pressure off of Patrick Laine, and maybe that will help him uh, kind of loosen up a little bit and start putting the puck in the back of the net like we know he but can. But can Hayes produce in the playoffs? That's what I'm interested in because I, I mean, he's been known he's, to ghost the Rangers in the playoffs. He's not the 1C anymore. I mean, Shifley's going to get the first-line minutes, so he's going against uh, D3 and D4. 
I think he'll be fine. I'm not worried about Hayes producing in the playoffs. I think he's the type of player who is so puck dominant. You can put him alongside Patrick Line. It's a dream scenario for him. I mean, that's a guy. If you put him, if you tag him alongside Line for a full year, I mean, he could be a 50 assist guy in, in my opinion. And listen, he did score some big goals in the playoffs for the Rangers. I mean, his rookie year, he had the overtime winner against Pittsburgh to make the series three one. Had the game tying goal in Game Seven against the Capitals that tied the game at one. So. I'm I'm not too worried about his production in the playoffs. And listen, this dude's a lot better than he was at that time as well. So I, I think it's a really good ad for Winnipeg. You get a top six type center back in this deal, and you put him with guys who can score the puck in even if Kyle Connor, if you want, Patrick Line. They have plenty of options, even Nikolai Ehlers. So Hayes is going to be put in a perfect situation for him, and he can also score. So great ad for Winnipeg. Good return for the Rangers. So Jackson, what I'm kind of I'm kind of getting the vibe from you that you didn't think that they should have gone through this kind of full teardown at least this season with trading Zuccarello and Hayes and instead just keeping them around for some reason. Yeah. I mean, as if they're as if they're going somewhere. Well, I, I mean, if the option is to extend them, then I, I just think you're never you're so rarely going to win a trade when you're trading away rentals that it just doesn't make sense to me if there was an extension on the table in the first place why didn't they do that especially with Hayes too because I mean we've seen the player that he's become this year I mean he's on place to be a 65 point player this year so if I would have just rather extended him and it would have made more sense to me just to keep him along because it's so hard to add those types of players of his caliber I was fine last year with what they did just because it was clear that the window was closing a little bit and you have to start new somewhere but like at this point, it just seems like they're making trades to make trades because Zuccarello, yes, he was expiring. He's going to be 32 next year. But again, what he's meant to the Rangers is invaluable. And you have to keep some type of veterans here for a rebuild. That that You're exactly. not just going to play with 25-year-old kids or younger in this situation. You have to keep some sort of guys around. And listen, if they decide to extend Kreider, which they better at this point, if they let <laughs> that's this what I'm drag all out, about right now. if they let this drag out to next year again, that's a serious marker on Jeff Gordon's resume because letting him get to rental status is, is really bad. And it, the same thing with Hayes for me this year, especially when they could have extended him and Zuccarello less as much because of the age factor. But I, I just think the Rangers made this more difficult on themselves than it had to. Yeah, extend Kreider and give that man a C. I mean, he deserves it. He's been one of the biggest leaders on this team, and you can't rebuild without a pivotal leader. Kreider knows how to win in New York. He did not bring a cup, but he knows how to win in the playoffs. He's had success in the regular season and in the playoffs at the Garden. And in terms of all the guys that the Rangers have gone through, um, right now, even with Zook and Hayes, he was a guy who I thought deserved a captain captainship over those two guys. He's the guy I want mentoring the young kids. Um, you lose Zook, you lose Hayes, you lose a good chunk of the soul on that team. And I don't see Mark Stahl as really being a legitimate <laughs> mentor. Kevin Shattenkirk has not done enough to justify that in New York. To me, Chris Kreider is the guy. So extend him, give him the C, and make him the cornerstone mentor to bring these kids up. So what you're telling me is those Leafs fans that thought they were going to trade for Chris Kreider really didn't know what they were talking about, huh? Well, oh they were the they Zach were legit comparisons were ridiculous, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. I shared another another uh, Leafs Twitter gem on uh, Twitter today with Jack. It was about getting 
potentially Wayne Simmons and Shane Gossespierre from the Flyers. Oh yeah, you know that just just, just casually a, just, a light just trade. like swigging their best defense. Leafs Twitter is toxic, absolutely toxic. Yeah, it's, I, it's I unbelievable how like everyone outside of the organization sucks. Like they're really <laughs> bad players, and, and once they get Twitter, them, but significantly angrier. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good without, without a championship in 50 years, as opposed yeah. to 10. Yep. <laughs> All right, so Rangers are obviously full rebuild mode now, and we're going to move to a crosstown rival in New Jersey Devils. Uh, they made even in the same state. It could be a crosstown rival. Cross River. Uh, cross, <laughs> cross, River. cross Bridge, whatever. Same difference. <laughs> whatever. Um, they moved Marcus Johansson for a second-round pick this year, third-round pick next year. Uh, they moved Keith Kincaid. For a fifth round pick to Columbus, and they also moved Ben Lovejoy to the Dallas Stars, which I, 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 I kind of, I would say you I kind of called the Ben called Lovejoy that. trade. Not gonna lie, you absolutely yeah, called. I, that. I saw the Ben Lovejoy trade coming. Um, I think Ratio did a great job of getting a third round pick out of him. I thought that was only going to be a fifth to a seventh because I didn't really think he was that good. But the Keith Kincaid, the Keith Kincaid trade was definitely a, a steal for the Devils. I think. Uh, they got a barely above replacement level goalie out of their system to make room for Mackenzie Blackwood, who deserved to be in the NHL and got got a mid round pick out of him. Um, I don't think that he necessarily got enough out of Marcus Johansson with only the second and the third. I think he could have at least gotten two seconds, uh, at least one this year and then one next year maybe. Uh, he probably could have pushed for just a first. At some point, but that was probably a little too much. Team probably balked at that. But but what do we think about these moves from the Devils? Um, I like the Keith Kincaid. Easy for me to say. Yeah, Keith Kincaid trade a lot. Uh, it's a twenty twenty two fifth round pick. That's not much, but just getting him off the one point two million dollars isn't a lot. But just and he's him, a UFA at the end of the year. Right, off, off the books, UFA at the end of the year. You don't have to worry about that come July for a team that is going to have a lot to worry about come July. A guy you probably gonna, weren't going to retain anyways. You. Say goodbye to him. Get something back. Uh, clear up the money now. It's supposed to later. Uh, I like it. Uh, as for, as in terms of Johansson, that was one of the uh, two fifty nines, the two fifty nine PM trades. Uh, I certainly thought they could have gotten a lot more for him. I thought that they were going to take advantage of dealing him at two fifty nine and just kind of get a last minute, um, you know, panic panic trade uh, as opposed to a second and a fourth uh, from Boston, but. In terms of Boston, I like that trade a lot, just like we talked about with Charlie Coyle. Yeah, exactly. They're they're really fortifying that post uh, posture not rest of the season, I guess. For sure. Yeah, there just seemed to be a lot of like second line playmaking forwards on the market, and with Zook and Nyquist, like we already talked about, you throw in Marcus Johansson, and you know th- what what the Devils got for him is about on par with those guys, like we said earlier. So. That was similar to Zuccarello, I think, a situation where uh, two weeks ago you thought you could have gotten a lot more, but when it came down to it, that's about what the market was placing his value at. I'm in agreement with all you guys in terms of, I think you can't really slice it either way in terms of giving out a winner for each of these trades because, like you said, I mean, Kincaid, you really got nothing back, but you really didn't give up anything, so it's kind of cancels each other out, and then... The Johansson deal, listen, I, you got what you kind of expected to get back after the Nyquist and Zuccarello trade, so not a bad deal. I mean, good 
year to be in the market for a top six winger. I'll yeah, say definitely. that for sure. Because oh, oh, really, Jack? It... Uh, we'll get there, oh, Chris. We will get there. I promise. But okay. kind of, yeah. kind of the the last one of the Devils because, like I said, they didn't really do much. They did make a lot of waves. They just got rid of the guys that they should have gotten rid of. Uh, I know a lot of fans were unhappy when Ray Shiro didn't spend money this offseason after his team made a playoff run, but I think he obviously saw what we are all seeing now, that the team overachieved, and there was really no way that Taylor Hall was going to do what he did last year. Keith Kincaid was obviously going to fall back to earth, and he has done a very, very good job of stockpiling assets this year. They have 10 picks in this in this year's draft. Uh, a first, three seconds, and two-thirds. So six picks in the first three rounds, that's going to get you a lot of value. For sure. And it's possible they flip some of those picks. For yeah, what about moving up? Or yeah, moving up? I could definitely see them moving up. If if the lottery doesn't go their way, maybe they they try to leverage that first and one or two of the seconds and a third and move into a top three, top two spot, get get a Jack Hughes, get a Capo Caco or whoever's there. Yeah, if they could flip a few of those picks it would probably take four or five of those ten picks to get a Hughes or Kako they're not from, getting either I don't think so and, I mean if the lottery I don't think they'll move way. into top if two three Colorado, but could they do if they like, are move already in, move into like yeah but it, could they move into sixth or seventh yeah yeah I yeah. could see that so it's de- it's definitely looking promising at least in terms of this year's draft and beyond I I have full faith in Ray Shiro just based on his track record and what he has done at least this season and last season uh, but now, now it's time to let the let the chains off. We we got the chains <laughs> right. off, Chris. Bef- I, let me just give a little primer, and then we'll let you go. Uh, New York Islanders sitting in first place in the Metro. A lot of people expected them to do something, whether it was a, a bottom a bottom six forward, a top six forward, even a top nine forward. Uh, none of that happened, and it's very surprising especially considering the market and what was given up for some of these guys so all those screaming fits came down to nothing yeah exactly uh there's only one <laughs> well we had to rein you back a couple of times that's true but you you saw the market for Marcus Johansson Gustav Nyquist uh Wayne Simmons even who got moved from the Flyers Chris talk to me so there's not really much that I can say besides this trade deadline is an absolute abject failure. This is an absolute failure on the part of Lou Lamarillo. There's no other word for it. Um, this is a team that did anybody expect them to be 35-18-7, 79 points first place better than Washington this year? Absolutely not. Um, if you had told me that, I'd be sitting in this chair on February 25th and that was the um, that was the situation, I would have taken that in a heartbeat. So I can't complain too much. But what I will say is this team was in desperate need of a forward, and with the absolute re- crazy market for wingers, what we just talked about was like you're not going to get Zuccarello or Hayes because the Rangers aren't probably going to trade with you. Exactly. But guys like Wayne Simmons, guys like Marcus Johansson, um, Mark Stone, they were seemed to be in on, uh, but ended up not getting the deal done. They weren't willing to pay as much on the extension as Vegas was, which... I don't hate that. I don't love it. I don't hate it. Um, Even a guy like Gramland or Broussard or just somebody um, to go to be somewhat faltering uh, in the last probably two weeks, I'd say, um, and then to have a deadline come up where all these guys get moved and you not land a single one of them um, is is an absolute failure. 
Um, I know that Lou Lamarillo is a Hall of Fame GM. I know that he has three Stanley Cups, and I know that Matt loves him with all of his heart <laughs> uh, because of what he did for his franchise. And I know that I'm 19 years old and in no way a, capable of being an NHL GM. But I do think it's a failure. And sitting in a chair and saying we aren't going to try to win this year for the to, for the greater plan is a loser's mentality. And look, my whole argument with you two, three weeks ago, whenever that was, was you don't you don't have a stacked farm system, so why do you want to give up the little that you have to go for a win now mode? But you're, I mean, the, the Islanders could have given up a conditional third they round, up a pick. Third round pick. For I mean, there, there's so That's many hard. little moves they could have made and really not mortgaged any part of their major future plans and improve this team, maybe not in a huge sense. But in enough of a sense to give tortured fans such as Chris and many of my Long Island family members at least a glimmer of hope to give them at least a small chance to go, uh, a, a slightly larger chance, I should say, to go on a deeper playoff run. And for them to stand pat, there's no reason for me to believe that they can take down a Washington or a Columbus or, I mean, if they fall into the wild card, who knows? They might have to play Tampa in the first round. You're looking at a team that, was sky high two, three weeks ago, and it's gotten pretty dark, and it really shouldn't have been. I mean, I'm just looking at some of these names that got moved. They could have gone after Ryan Dezingle. They could have gone after Nicholas Baptiste, who got traded to Toronto. It was the Dezingle trade that really got me, because it was two seconds in Anthony Duclair. And if you want to find a guy comparing to Josh Hosang, where it's a guy who has sky-high talent and has all the ability in the world but just hasn't found his footing, I feel like, and Rangers fans, please correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like that's Anthony Duclair. So it was Anthony Duclair yeah. in two seconds for a guy who scores 20 goals a year. So it's Josh saying a second and a conditional second or a, or a second and a first or whatever it is to get a guy who scores 20 goals, a guy who could play with Matt Barzal. That isn't Tom Kunakel because that's who's playing with Matt Barzal right now. So, I mean, you're telling me <sighs> that they couldn't give up that— I'm telling you that they could. They couldn't have given up that second-round draft pick in the 2020 conditional third for Gustav well, Nyquist? Lou Lamarillo is telling you that. I mean, <laughs> I, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And to me, it's it echoes what I've been saying all, like this entire season and I've been trying to get across. It's, it's basically the devils of last year. They're like, oh my God, we're in first place. What do we do now? And But it shouldn't be because he's going to the Hall of Fame. If he is, is he already in the Hall of Fame? Uh, if he's not already, he's then he's going. He's going. Absolutely. Barry Trotz sure is going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And these are two people who are supposed to know how to run a franchise. And they're, it's just it's very confusing to me, but I'm, like, I understand why they didn't because they think that they're overachieving now, so why mortgage the future that's for a, loser's a first round exit? That is a but loser's there, mentality. And there's nothing like, okay, a third round pick has some value. You're not mortgaging your future, and I'm the one who argued against Chris on this two weeks ago, but... Josh Hosang, for the Islanders' sake, is relatively expendable because I just don't think he's ever going to make it with that particular organization. I think he has a sky-high future with pretty much any other team, but it's just a situation where it's not going to work on Long But Island. for that same reason, his value is also negative at this yeah. point because the Islanders have kind of dragged him down to that point. Even yeah. Especially for the it. Senators where they haven't developed their own prospects since Daniel Alfredson. So, like, yeah, you that's know. fair, and... Let me, let me get in here yeah, one sec. I, I need to comment on the Islanders because I've heard a lot here. Um, if I'm Lou Lamorello, I don't think I don't think saying this is an abject failure is the right thing to say. And here's why: because you look at the Islanders and look at this plan. And I, listen, I know they went kind of off course here because they've been so good this year. But 
in order for me to make a move at the deadline with already a weak farm system and plans to compete in the future, it would have taken a real needle-moving player for me to go out and get. And listen, they tried on Stone. Like, I'll give them yeah, credit they, for that. They were, they were willing to give up Beauvillier for Stone. Which they should have. And yeah. if, if, if an extension was attached to that, then I would have been fine. Same would have been for Duchesne. But at the same time, I mean, we're talking about if the one move they made was a second and third pit round pick for Gustav Nyquist or a Marcus Johansson, that doesn't really move the needle for me. So, But they're better than Andrew Ladd. They're better than Tom Kunakle. They probably They probably are, but why give up assets to add someone that really doesn't make you that much better? That will re- that will result in a first-round playoff exit. That's more my main point here. Yeah. And listen, I, I get you want to bring hope to the fans, and if they were able to do Stone or Duchesne and lock him up afterwards. That would have been great. That that would have been the move for me. But but that's what Lou Lamarillo said he was not going to do. Basically, he said, I'm not deviating from my plan, which I'll keep saying is a loser's mentality, but that's what he said. So that pretty much took Stone completely off the table once it came out that they were asking for everything in the world for him. But they also went after Stone hard. I mean, they were probably the second team. It sounded like they in came in the second Stone place, race. yeah. I mean, so that's why it doesn't make sense. So and like, the so reason like, was the money for Stone. Yeah, it sounded ironic. like it came down to yeah. the extension. So they were prepared to give up Dobson. We'll, we'll say they were prepared to give up Noah Dobson because um, Vegas gave up Randstrom and Ottawa wants defensemen because they don't have any now because Eric Carlson's gone, besides Shabbat, obviously. But, excuse me. Um, yeah, it, would, it came down to the annual average on the extension is what McKenzie, Bob McKenzie reported today. So, oh, well, we'll just lose in the first round again and draft somebody who's terrible in the first round and then and oh, draft man. and just move on. And just, we- just to add something real quick, um, not to the Islanders, there's also some news that just came out. Um, Eric Stahl, two-year extension with Minnesota, yeah, uh, 3.25 AAV. He was believed to be on the market for a little while. He probably was, because he was a free agent at the end of the year. So, so they probably just didn't trade him. and then Weird year for Minnesota. I yeah. Mean, really really weird is. year. I mean, they trade Coyle and Granlund. I, lo- I love getting Kevin Fiala back. Yeah, let, let's get into some, some more of the around-the-league news now mm-hmm. that we kind of just defeated Chris. We didn't really get the fiery Chris. We got the defeated Chris today. <laughs> it's all right. So all right. let's get let's, – Jackson, you're talking about this, this Minnesota and Nashville trade. What do you think of the news Nashville made today? Nashville, I, I like, I kind of like the. I don't know. I don't really know if I love what they did. Um, I don't listen, like. I don't like the Wayne Simmons move. I, I don't. I don't see it as a as a needle mover. Yeah, I, I didn't love the Simmons move for a few reasons. I, I think Ryan Hartman, you can argue, is a better player than Wayne Simmons at this point, and Hartman's got control and is younger. Um, he does give them a net front presence, which they need, but at the same time, you're talking about a guy who doesn't really get around like he used to be able to on the ice. So it's not the worst deal in the world, again, but not a needle mover in my opinion. And the Granlund for Fiala deal is really interesting to me. Uh, well, probably one of the more interesting deals of the deadline. I really am a big fan of Kevin Fiala. I, this guy's got world-class skill. He's a young player. I know the injury concerns are there for what happened with him in the playoffs a few years ago. but He really hasn't been the same since then. He, uh, yeah, he really hasn't, but I, I would have taken the gamble. I think Fiala can can be, and you can argue that he is a better offensive player than Granlin, but at the same time, you put Granlin in a situation where he's one of the better two-way players in the league, and I kind of like the move for Nashville because it does make them better, but at the same time, it's a big risk getting rid of Kevin Fiala at this point in his career. So, 
Overall, not too bullish on what Nashville did. I thought teams had better deadlines around the league, but at the same time, they didn't do anything that really hurt them, in my opinion. I agree with Jackson. Um, I don't hate the Simmons move as much as you seem to. I think that uh, their power play is the worst in the league. They're thirty first. You won't hate any move because the, Isle- <laughs> as long- the Islanders didn't make any moves. That's true. So. No, that's true because every every move is better than what the Islanders did. So, yeah. um, I I don't uh, I don't hate it just because their power play is terrible. Their power play is thirty first in the league right now, and Wayne Simmons is a power play uh, presence in front of the net that Forsberg can kind of find, and they have good offensive defensemen. So just to add that piece down low on the power play, I think is going to be really helpful for them come playoff time. Although I do agree with you, he's somewhat faltered off since he isn't the same player that he was, uh, say, four or five years ago. I, but I think Winnipeg had a better trade deadline than Nashville, for sure. I think that they were kind of going back and forth, a uh, central division arms race, if you will, and uh, I think that Winnipeg won by miles over Nashville. Uh, I like Kevin Hayes. I mean, he was a Ranger, so I didn't like him that much, but I like Kevin Hayes a lot, um, and I think that he'll, he'll slot in really well, as we talked about with Winnipeg, and... Um, I think they, that they won over Nashville for sure. Jack? Well, I think I think you guys hit it all on the on the nose. I don't really have a lot more to add on in addition, in addition to what you said. I thought the Jets were the winners of the deadline. They bolstered their offense. I think they're locked and loaded, ready for a deep playoff run. I don't think anything that Nashville did is going to hurt them to the point where their team chemistry is all thrown off and they're going to choke their hopes away. I don't think... Anything they did is going to help them to the point where you feel as confident as you do with the Jets, that they're locked and loaded and ready to go. Um, I almost think Nashville felt pressure with that team that's one point ahead of them in the standings. I mean, it's like the Cold War. <laughs> they're going back yeah. and forth. One person sure does one Nashville thing. Sure. The other the other group has to do with, the, you know, they, they keep upgrading and trying to one-up each other. And Nashville didn't really move their team's hopes up or down, it's really going to all come down to the playoffs, which, as good as these teams are, in a sense, it is a crapshoot. Let's let's get into this Mark Stone trade, because like I said on Friday's episode, I thought that he and Matt Duchesne were the, were the big fish to get moved on this deadline, and for a while there, it really didn't look like Stone was going to get traded. It took till 245. Yeah, it took a, took a good long while for him to actually get traded over to Vegas. Uh, the official trade is... Mark Stone and Tobias Lindbergh to the Vegas Golden Knights. Four forward Oscar Lindbergh, defensive prospect Eric Brandstrom, who I am super high on. I think that he's going to be, turn into a really good defenseman, and you're looking at him and Thomas Shabbat as your first line pairing for the next ten years. I think you're making. I don't think up, he's ready yet. Not yet, but next year, year two, after. two, three years. I I give him. I'm I'm looking at that, and then a second round pick in 2020 draft. Um, I think. Let's see what you guys think. First, so what do we think of Stone to Vegas for this year? And then if they get this extension done, which is being reported that it's making its way to that point, how does this affect them moving forward? Um, I like the trade for Vegas. I think Mark Stone's a really good uh, goal scorer that they needed. Um, They were somewhat, they started out the season not so hot. Uh, They've come back up and they're facing two beasts in the Pacific Division in Calgary and San Jose, and I think in terms of the Pacific Division, they won the deadline because of this trade. Um, this is a guy who's going to score goals for them. Uh, it's hard to replicate what they had last year, especially with that top line. Uh, so this is a guy that they're going to bring in, spice things up a little bit, change it up, uh, get that line back scoring goals. 
Uh, currently, they have 69 points, and Calgary has 85. So it's going to be hard for them to get up into the first spot. But I can, and San Jose is 82. So basically, they have they're to, kind of locked. They're in kind of locked in at that three. Right but you know, um, Arizona has 63. That's who's below them. So that's only three. That's only six points. So they certainly have to play uh, pretty good hockey over down the stretch here to stay in that spot. So uh, I like to trade a lot for uh, Vegas. Now, Kevin Hayes is not the player that Mark Stone is, but I thought it was interesting. Eight years, $9 million a year for Mark Stone. That, I don't have as much of a problem with the years because he's 26, but $9 million's a lot. Uh, I'm not totally sure. He might be worth that now. They might be regretting that later on. But when you compare Hayes to Stone, it made me a little more comfortable with the Rangers moving Hayes because I get that they were talking about the five-year extension last year, but that makes me think that Hayes could be in for a very big deal this summer. Um, not eight years, nine million a year, but it's going to be a long-term deal with a lot of money that whoever signs him might regret down the road the way that I think Vegas might regret paying a 34-year-old nine million dollars a year. I, I love the trade for both sides. I don't think you can really pinpoint a loser here. I mean, Vegas had the best player on the market by far and not only adds him but gets him extended for the next eight years. And I, I would argue that I would rather have Mark Stone than Artemi Panarin this offseason. Hmm. I, I would make a significant hmm. argument towards that because Mark Stone is that type think, of caliber player. I think this is the kind of money that Panarin's going to get, though. Yeah, and I, I think Panarin might even get a little more just – having teams name value on the open yeah. market and you can argue stone just wants some security but give ottawa some credit i mean i i've been very critical of pierre dorian in the past but he had a great deadline i thought he made some good moves at the deadline this year i mean getting two possible firsts for duchene the capital he got back for Dzingel was solid and i mean he really only had three assets although he had two really good ones in duchene and stone and he arguably got a top five prospect in the entire league back in eric brandstrom who you can make a very good argument, has been the best defenseman in the AHL this year. So I like the move from Ottawa's perspective. I like it from Vegas's perspective, possibly even more because it puts them in a position to win the Cup. Vegas has really just confused me with all they do because they just seem to be in on every big player, and hmm. they seem to get a lot of them. Yeah. And not only that, they lock them up for big money. I yeah. mean, the Pacioretty trade exactly. last year, Stasny over the summer. I mean, they went out and got Tatar last year at the deadline, which was one of McPhee's poor move since he's been there, but hard to complain about adding the best player on the market by a landslide, in my opinion, and this gives him a chance to go after the Cup for the next few years again. Yeah, it almost sounds crazy praising Pierre Dorian in Ottawa, but you look at everything he's done over this past year, the haul he got back for Eric Carlson, uh, the Stone deal, the Shane deal, the single, you, you really can't fault the guy. No, you can't. I think I, I like Eric Branish from a lot. He was on the Swedish uh, World Juniors team. Uh, I watched some of his highlights on YouTube today after he got traded, uh, and he scored some pretty sweet goals. He's a really good offensive defenseman, drafted 15th overall in Vegas's first draft, uh, the 2017 draft, the Nico Hishier draft. So there were some defensemen picked over him, including um, Suzuki by Vegas, Kale Makar up uh, at number four to Colorado. Suzuki's a forward, by the way. Just oh, Suzuki's now. a forward? Yeah. Oh, never mind. Suzuki was also drafted by Vegas. Cal McCarr, yeah. Cal Maker. And uh, Miro Heiskanen, who's like, I don't know if he's a Calder Trophy. I don't know if anybody's a Calder Trophy candidate with Elias Pettersson. But he's a really good defenseman for the Dallas Stars right now playing um, in the NHL. So I, I like the trade a lot for, I like 
you know, both sides of this trade, as Jackson said, really hard to pinpoint a loser of this one. And sure. sorry, just to get in on here, I mean, I, it kind of goes without saying, but it's winter bust for Vegas the next few years. I yeah, mean, absolutely, with, for sure. Especially with the guys that they've given up. I mean, they've now given up Brandstrom to Ottawa, and they gave up Suzuki in the Pacioretty trade, really only holding on to Cody Glass from that top, that first year draft that he had. And I don't know if they have their first round. I don't. I think they do have their first round pick this year because they didn't trade it. To uh, they don't, Ottawa only got a second back, I think, in addition to Brandstrom. But I can look for you. Hold on. Root, it might have been thrown into the past AD. I don't remember. Regardless of what I'm going, the point I'm getting here is that they have really put all their eggs in one basket in this situation. And I don't blame them because they have a team that can go out and win the Stanley Cup, and they've added key pieces to that. But when you're a second-year organization and don't really have anything on the farm to kind of make home about, Besides Cody Glass, who I doubt they're going to trade at this point after all the moves they've no, made. No, they shouldn't. They're they're in desperation win mode, which isn't a bad thing. I, no. I, I can't say it's a bad thing because, again, this remind you, this is a team that went to the Stanley Cup last year, has a chance to do it again this year and in the upcoming two to three years when their window's open. But just give George McPhee some credit for being aggressive, too. He, he knows what he wants. He goes out and gets it done. And we'll see if they have anything up their sleeve in the offseason, too. They do currently have their first round pick, by the way. Okay, so that, that's a little better. It was, I guess it was good for him. So, to Jack, hold last, on to that. last point on this. Oh, I was just going to say it seems weird to think that Vegas is in such a desperate win now mode because you usually think of it as being teams who have been struggling to get a cup for a while. And Vegas's average team age is about twenty eight and a half right now after these moves. So. They, they, like all you guys said, they don't have much in the farm system. They're an older team. It's the next, let's say, three years is their window. And I think they're a better team than the Rangers were in their prime three years ago or so. But they're sort of in that position where you have three years uh, about where you're going to be a top five team in the league or so. And you've got to capitalize on that because they may have a long rebuilding mode. All right, so before we wrap up here, I know we're running out of time. Let's just go through and just just hit real quick on on our winners and losers of the trade deadline. Let's start with you, Jack. Uh, I'm sorry, my mic is or my headset is glitching. Can you move on to Chris for a second? Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Okay, winners and so, losers. Um, my winner is Columbus. I think. Yep. I think that they got a lot of good pieces. I don't know if it's going to work, but I do like that they're going for it. Yeah, just um, go for it. Just just go for it. I mean. Um, what, there were some tweets going around about what their Vegas odds were to win the cup before the deadline, and it wasn't, I think it was like 6.5%, so not very high. Uh, so certainly an interesting team to go for it with, but when you have two um, when you have two impending free agents, it's certainly uh, key to go to go for it, and I think that Columbus is doing that, and they're kind of, they might be bad for the next five years after this, uh, but if they make a deep playoff run, which is more than this franchise has ever done, um, then that would certainly be good, and I think obviously the loser for me is uh, the Islanders because Lou Lamorello said you don't just make a trade to make a trade, but my argument would be you're not making a trade to make a trade. You're making the team better if you make a trade. Jackson? I'd say my winner is probably Winnipeg. As much as I love what Vegas did to add Stone, um, adding Kevin Hayes and not giving up a Christian Veselainen or a Jack Rosevich of the world and getting a top six center in that uh, I, I liked what Winnipeg was able to do and not really have to give up a ton of value back. And my loser, to me, it, it's tough to say because they were able to hold on to all their top prospects, which is fine at this point, but I have to say Calgary. Uh, they're the top team in the West right now at 85 points. 
they're in a spot where they have a ton of scoring up front, but definitely could have used another forward, in my opinion, just because they're very top-heavy in terms of where they get their production from Goudreau, Monaghan, Kachuk, uh, Elias Lindholm. So I would have added another forward. They were apparently in on stone and close, but to really do nothing from my perspective, even though they were able to hold on to Rasmus Anderson and Falamaki, and I just I would have made at least some sort of move to kind of propel them up because they didn't need to do much, and it probably would have made them better, but I would have done at least something if I was Calgary, and they really didn't. Yeah, Chris, you, you took my winner in Columbus for everything you said. I think it's a great idea that they're just going for it. Jackson, you took the words right out of my mouth. Calgary is the biggest loser to me. Uh, they were the team I was looking for on Friday's episode to to make a big move at the deadline to kind of push them over the top. I thought Mark Stone would have been a great fit for them. Even if Marcus Johansson could have gone there and made a big impact. Um, but yeah, really disappointed out of them. And, and Jack, let's finish up with you. Yeah, there was a sound in my earpiece that sounded like a fly, like very loudly. So I'm not sure what's going on there. It's fixed and I can hear now. (laughs) Uh, My losers are going to be the L.A. Kings. I'm going last. I'm going to go with an unorthodox pick just because they are not a good team. And the Jake Muzzin deal was good. But, I mean, apparently Ilya Kovalchuk has been talking about leaving the Kings. He's good. Let him ride in L.A. And you know what? He's stuck there. They didn't get anything for him. And I think his value is only going to decline over the next couple of years as he gets older. And it just seems like they didn't do anything. And I don't necessarily know who had sky-high value besides Muzzin, but... They're stuck where they where they are, and just for that, I'm going to say they're the losers. And then the winners, I'm going to say it's the Winnipeg Jets, as Jackson said. Um, just to shortly summarize, just because they didn't give up a whole lot, they didn't sacrifice their future, their long-term plan, yet they're locked and loaded short-term, just as we talked about the entire podcast. All right, boys. Well, that is it. It was a wild, wild trade deadline episode, and... I'm sure that these moves will be impacting playoff races to come. For Jackson Heil, Chris Hennessy, Jack Caldwell, I'm Matt Costantini. Come back soon.